Welcome to the teacher and the preacher. This program is all about the importance of coming to understand that the Christian community and the Jewish community have more in common than we have been led to believe. Rather than seeing each other as against each other, we need to come to a point of seeing that the statement that our country is a Judeo-Christian nation is much more than just a mere statement, but truly reflects the reality of our nation as it was and should remain. Every week there will be an interesting dialogue about the issues that have divided Jews and Christians and how we can move in bridging the gaps and see that by talking about the issues, we can better move in the direction of having more unity. Unity that will heal and help bring together a nation that is under attack by the forces of atheism, secularism, and a breakdown of family values. Join us now for a discussion between the teacher and the preacher. Welcome to The Teacher and the Preacher. Thanks for joining us this weekend. I'm the preacher, Dave Magera, And I'm the teacher, Harold Berman. And we want to talk about a subject that may sound a little broad. It's a subject that we've talked about before, morality, but with a specific spin or a specific emphasis, I should say, um, really looking at right now our society looking at what's happened over the last few decades, really right under our noses, how things have changed and why this is not a good thing in terms of society losing its shared moral code and what that could pretend for the future. I think this is such a good conversation for us to have, Harold, because both of us carry a concern. Even though you may live full-time in Israel, you have dual citizenship and you have got many years of your life born and raised here in America, but um, the demise of our society, and it's not just limited to America or even Israel for that matter, but to various uh, nations around the world whose society is on a downward spiral. And yeah. what, what are some of those contributing factors and what has created this shift from being a society that cares about a neighbor to looks out for other people that we may not know, but they are people, so we care about them. And so we, we, we look out for them. Yeah. To move from being concerned about others to being self-consumed with just ourself, because that is a dramatic shift. And this is one of the things that we hear a lot here in America about some of our older generations or previous generations who would just turn over in their grave if they saw the conditions of modern times, which should be the best of times, and yet the moral corruption and corrosion that's taking place is no small thing. No, not at all. So there, there's an excellent book that just came out fairly recently that I want to recommend that I, I just read. It's by Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who passed away this past year. Uh, he's the former chief rabbi of Great Britain, a uh, brilliant man, and he wrote a book. It's called Morality, Restoring the Common Good in Divided Times, and he, he, he goes through this, and the term he gives it, which I, I think is a, an amazing way to think about it, he says, we are undergoing cultural climate change. You know, that basically before our very eyes, the cultural climate is changing beyond recognition. And the way he characterizes it, which I think is a useful way of thinking about it, is exactly actually, as you said, Dave, uh, he, he says we've gone from we, a we society, to an I society. And there are a lot of reasons for this, but 
One of the primary ones is not the only one, but one of the things that's exacerbated it uh, greatly is social media, because we are now in a situation, first of all, everything is out there immediately. It doesn't have time uh, you know, to go gradually. That's number one. And the other thing is that you have all these people that are sitting in their homes, they're sitting on their phones, they're not actually connecting with anyone. Whereas years ago, you had to actually go somewhere to connect with somebody and you you would connect with them in a live way. You would form a real friendship. Now, you know, you get likes on Facebook, but it's as we all know, it's not the same thing. And there are lots of studies coming out now, um, people who are doing this increase in anxiety, increase in depression, and big decrease in empathy because you're not connecting with real people. So therefore, you don't have the same feelings for real people. Yeah. I, I just want to affirm what you just underscored for our listeners, and that is that Rabbi Sachs has done a He's got a history of, you know, making a difference and speaking into situations and circumstances. He was a beloved rabbi in in uh, England for many years, highly highly visible and highly respected. And this is a really a, a good theme that he ends his life on, not realizing it would be his last book that he wrote. But one of the quotes that he has in describing morality is he says, you know, there's times when we see to seek to get other people to do something we want or need them to do, and that's politics. We can pay them to do so, and that's economics. Or we can persuade them to do so because they and we are part of the same framework of virtues and values, rules and responsibilities, codes and customs, conventions and constraints, and that is morality. But what happens when society loses that sense of shared morality? And I think, you know, he asks these really good and timely probing questions. So, you know, as I thought about what we were going to be talking about today, Harold, I was just reminded that, you know, morals, and this is, this is I think, one of the things that marks your life and mine, because we share these Judeo-Christian virtues and values that most societies have actually been based on. And so what are we talking about? We're talking about these prevailing standards of behavior, really, that enable people to, to live cooperatively, cooperatively in groups. You know, there's a, yeah. there, there's a mutual respect. And, and so the, uh, moral refers to these societies sanctioning as right and acceptable. They, they pretty much, you know, establish what's, what's appropriate and what's inappropriate. But you know, it's not something that's that's necessarily fixed. It it can transcend time and culture for for a while, um, but over time, it, there's no guarantee that what always was is actually what will be. And I think you put a finger on some of the contributing factors of that, which is you know social media and being so self consumed. But it definitely has led to an erosion, and then. Uh, when there is a depletion of religious traditions or some level of spiritual input into people's lives, that has a direct attack on targeting a person's worldview, whether that be you know a secular worldview or a biblical worldview, because how we view 
the world that we live in greatly determines whether or not I really do care about somebody outside of myself or not. Right. And there's also, I think, along with that, the idea of obligation. In other words, uh, when you have certain values that you hold by, well, you know, it does, there, there's, you, you have to, you have poor people in your midst, you have to take care of them. You want to be kind to the stranger, all of those things. You could, you could go down the list. Uh, and sometimes it's not even a matter of, well, do I feel like it today? It's a matter of like, you know, this is my moral code. I have an obligation to do this. And when you lose that, and then you have what I think you have a lot of today is you see people, well, I'm just a good person. Well, what does that really mean? Well, that means, you know, hey, I, I saw this homeless guy on the street and I, I felt like giving him a little bit of charity. So, hey, look at me. I'm a good person. But the problem with that is tomorrow, well, they may not feel like it because if there's no basis for it, if it's just how I feel in the moment as opposed to having an underlying value, then that all goes out the window the minute a person doesn't feel like doing it anymore. Yeah, the, the, listen, this has a direct impact on our mindset. I I think one of the climate issues that we've got in our time is the political climate and people being convinced that, you know, if in fact our country is headed in a wrong direction, then I think most people tend to believe that we could fix this country if we got the right politicians right. into power or by implementing certain you know, economic or social reforms or passing a certain number of laws. But the reality of, of that is that the problems go so much deeper than that. And this moral collapse that Rabbi Sachs really targets and talks about is eating away at the foundations of our society like a cancer. And if it if it continues to go unchecked, it inevitably will destroy not only our, our society, but our nation as a whole. And so fixing this moral decay is far from uh, difficult. Uh, you just can't just make some political adjustments or impact the political party because you have the hearts of multiple millions of people who are so different and the extremes are are so uh, dramatic that I, I short of a work of God, I, I don't know how it comes back together. Well, in, in fact, what, what you mentioned with economics and, and politics, that, that's exactly what Rabbi Sachs addresses because what he says is that, you know, people, just as you said, the pe- people look to the market and well, the market's going to fix it. Uh, you know, we're going to get the economy back on track. But as he says, the market is not inherently moral. Uh, the market is just the market. And it's about economics. It's not about morality. And then we look to a politician who's going to solve it. But the state is not inherently moral. The state is about power. And what you need then is this third sphere where you have a society that has shared values. Uh, And that's what then puts morality into the market and puts morality into the government. Um, And that's exactly what we're losing right now, because when you have a lot of people just sitting in their own space, uh, you can't have, you know, all of these individual islands uh, just happening to cohabit the same space and call it a society. It just doesn't work. And I think historically, when societies have gone from this uh, we mindset to an I mindset, historically, that's when you see societies start to crumble. 
Yeah, this is this is one of the things that I think was on Rabbi Sachs' heart, and that was he he saw the moral collapse that was happening all around him, and 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 wrote to create awareness and 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 call it what it is this uh, climate change of, of of cultural morality and caring for a neighbor and what is it that that drives us to be maybe others focused instead of self-consumed. And that's one of the things that has, I think, created such a huge contribution to the downward spiral. But, you know, for you and I, and I think for many of our listeners, I think that our, our source of morality comes from the Bible. And right. that, that's where we come up with this term, the Judeo-Christian view or virtues or values that that we we view our sense of morality through the lens of the scriptures and that's that's what what I define as a biblical world view where you you realize that people are made in the image of God and they have eternal value and that we should we should uh, look at them as extremely valuable and care about them and what they're going through and, and, and all that goes with that. But if, in fact, you don't have a biblical worldview, you know, what is it that's the opposite source of, of that or the competitor of a biblical morality? And I think that that's a social consensus, a, a, a society that is based on just consensus if is this okay is everybody for this right and so morality is shaped and changed by culture instead of really a solid uh foundation that has been established by god himself so i think that that's where these two biblical worldviews and a and a secular worldview really clash and 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 that's what creates also a level of division in this whole piece and then when you have it just based on some generalized consensus, what happens, and this is what we're seeing, is that consensus eventually breaks down. Uh, because if it's based on the Bible, or, or let's just say some moral code, then you know that's what everything comes out of. If it's just based on what people feel in the moment, well, tomorrow they feel something different, and at some point everybody feels... Uh, differently from everybody else, and you're you're back to just a bunch of individuals. So the the consensus even breaks down if it's not based on something deeper. There was uh, something, and also in Rabbi Sachs' book. In fact, I just wanted to read this passage because the other thing that's happening along with this, because just as you said, uh, the the with the Bible and the biblical worldview, you know. Each human being has infinite worth, has infinite dignity, is created in the image of God. When it's just about just people for themselves, then the other person doesn't matter. And one of the things that's come out of this, and we're seeing so many examples of this, is cancel culture. Uh, and the idea on universities of safe space of like, I have my view, I have the way I look at the world, and if there's somebody who runs afoul of that, uh, I want you know they need to be canceled. They I can't even see them. I can't hear them. I can't look at them because that would challenge the way I think. As opposed to when you see each person as having dignity, then you may not agree with them, but then you can have a conversation. So 
I'll just mention this just from Rabbi Sachs' book, um, and this is where it actually turns uh, anti-religion because people, because they're so into, it's, a, it's about me and my values and what I want, then the idea of someone like you, Dave, comes along and says, hey, we have a biblical worldview, we have shared values, they don't want to hear it and they turn against it. So uh, Rabbi Sachs writes, in October 2017, this is at Oxford, uh, October 2017, its students decided to ban the Christian unions, uh, Union from its Freshers' Fair on the grounds that the presence of a Christian might be, quote-unquote, alienating for members of non-Christian faiths and as such constitute a, quote, microaggression. The organizer of the fair said that Christianity's historic use as, quote, an excuse for homophobia and certain forms of neocolonialism meant that students might feel, quote, unwelcome in their new college if the Christian Union had a stall. And he goes on to say this was eventually reversed because there was a big outcry, but the fact that it was even, uh, it had gone that far in the first place just says about how far we've fallen. Yeah. You know, if if there's this situation that he just described, and there's this level of moral erosion that totally removes that which would be offensive to somebody who's really basing their whole societal connection on what social consensus is, then, you know, it, it just reduces everyone down to trying to find objectivity in a sea of subjectivity. And one of the things that God does for us is he establishes what, what is right and what is wrong. And, and those, in many ways, are not only general, but they're also specific, but they're general enough that according to the, to the Hebrew Scriptures, not to uh, leave out the fact that the, the New Testament underscores the Old Testament, and that is that God writes his laws on the hearts of people, and he gives everyone a conscience. And, and we lean on those things to help us to have common sense, um, that, you know, fairness, for instance, whether or not we, we lie about things, whether or not we are cheaters, you know, just, you know, just daily existence things that, that fall into the category of I, I have a level of respect for you, even though I may not know you. Right. And, and a variety of these kinds of things because God very much plays on the conscience of a nation. And I think that one of the things that when a nation pushes God out of the conversation and the national conscience dies, that is, uh, that is a huge precipice to go over that leads to um, this whole me generation, the mindset of self-centeredness and being self-consumed and no more love or care of a neighbor. And I, I think that um, this is where for, for us and many of our listeners, the, the Bible really still is our anchor. And that's why you know Scripture is chiseled into the stones that make up our nation's capital buildings, you know. The, all of these things to try to keep it in front of us. And uh, I, I just, you know, one of the things that we pray for just about every week at our church is, um, oh, God, we need a fresh move of your spirit on our nation. We, we need an act of God to 
pull us back to your great heart. You know, those things that only God can do because I think society does need a wake-up call uh, now and then that really helps us to have our foundation shaken. And if we've built our life on, you know, this constant shifting sand of whatever consensus says, wow, that that's pretty dangerous foundation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we had discussed this uh, a while ago on another show. There was a study done by the Pew Foundation just a few years ago on religious attitudes in America. And they've done these studies over the decades. And at one time, you know, several decades ago, uh, when they would say, what religion are you? Um, America was about 90% Christian. And then there was another 5% that you had Jews, you had other religions. And then you only had about 5% say that was, you know, atheist, agnostic, whatever. And mm -hmm. that percentage has gradually gone down over time. So this most recent study just a few years ago, it's down to about two-thirds, uh, not quite two-thirds, I think, of Americans call themselves Christians. And even among the group that calls themselves Christians, when they examine their attitudes, how often they go to church, uh, you know, different kinds of things, they found that they're actually less, it's not only that there are fewer Christians, but many of the Christians are less involved, less connected. So you have that remaining third, which is a big group. What has uh, what has taken the place of those who call themselves Christian. Uh, surprisingly, the number of people calling themselves atheists or agnostic didn't go up that much. What went up was people who called themselves things like spiritual. And that's a big part of this because when you have this uh, kind of vague spirituality, I'm, I'm not religious, I'm just spiritual. And that's, a, that's an I thing, that's a me thing. That's, I'm not connecting to other people who share my values. That's just, I wanna just have a spiritual experience, which is in a sense uh, very selfish because it's just about me. And that's just as you said, that's now there's no consensus. Now it's just me having this experience and somebody else has their experience and there's no connection between them. And there's no, uh, you know, that then you get into, well, why do I need to be kind to this person? Why do I need to treat this person with dignity? As long as I have my own spiritual experience and I feel good about myself, uh, what do I need it for? And, and that's unfortunately what we're seeing more of. I don't know, Harold, it just seems to me like in the recent months, the, the amount of change that's happening and the speed at which it's happening, it's like someone's put their foot on the gas pedal and, and changed us over into the fast lane in regards to issues of demise, issues of concern, issues that erode. I mean, yeah. th this is a big deal. Uh, the the reality of the facts of the destruction and the decline of the family the nuclear family yeah um you you mentioned the demise of uh, religions and uh you know for the first time in US history you know there are less protestants uh than ever and um it's it's very interesting when you when you add to that the increase and in push for abortion you know uh, the founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, she said, you know, the most merciful thing that a family does to one of its infant members is to kill it. Wow. And, and she gets praised in the halls of, the, of Congress. 
So, you know, this issue of Planned Parenthood, this issue of abortions, uh, divorce and and uh, and the decline of marriage, uh, teen pregnancy, I mean, you just start going down the list of things that typically are building blocks in a society that keeps a society sane and safe and we we're falling apart big time and you know you and I we don't like to use this program as a downer but you know talking about this issue of morality and society and the the dramatic shift i mean we're talking about reality and one of the things that we do like to use this program for is reality and unfortunately this is one of those things you know proverbs 14:12 is a is a real indictment statement basically says, you know, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the the end is death. Yeah. That we we go about doing things our way and think it's going to be better than God's way and it leads to a demise and the end result is it's the way of death. And I think that's one of the things that's marking uh, many of the societies in our world. I, I just have been watching even in recent uh, days, these riots that are going on, and the, the the lack of care for people, and all the issue of, um, of creating what I think are unnecessary issues, or making issues out of those things that don't need to be made issues out of. And uh, once again, we could do probably several programs on this topic, but Anyway, it is what it is, and I think that Rabbi Sachs rang a, a very timely bell for us. For sure, and, and I think there's, a, there's even a very practical, beyond all the things we've talked about, a very practical aspect to this, which is they've done lots of studies. Uh, religious people are, as a group, happier. Uh, people who uh, you know go to church or synagogue are happier. They tend to give more charity. They tend to help out more. All of those things, and we are seeing the World Health Organization has actually labeled anxiety and depression an epidemic because we've just seen it. Just as we're seeing all of these other trends happening, we're seeing anxiety skyrocket, depression skyrocket. Uh, we're seeing the results of people who don't have a relationship beyond themselves. Yeah. Well, once again, we're out of time. Oh, but it's uh, it. been such a good conversation, you know. I just want to encourage our listeners, listen, um, take a good hard revisit as to your worldview, your, your, your view of life and, and the makeup of the times we're living in and, and, and what's it based on. Because if you continue to see escalating violence and and all of the things that go with immorality and sin and the things that the Bible specifically points out, and those no longer get in bed with you or trouble you or impact your prayer life, this is a real sign that we've become desensitized by our times. So I want to encourage you to consider uh, prayerfully um, what, where you're at on this whole thing. Harold, I'm just going to wrap up by letting our listeners know you can contact Harold and I Simply write us at theteacherandthepreacher at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Check our website out, teacherandthepreacher.com, teacherandthepreacher.com. You'll find a lot of good information, archived programs there. And you can even click on the Donate button and keep us on the air. 
And check us out on our Facebook page. You'll find facts of the day, interesting facts of the day regarding Israel. And we so appreciate your listenership, and I want to say thank you to our donors. I am uh, grateful for the time that we've had together today, Harold. Thanks a bunch. Likewise. So until next week, may the God of Israel, who never slumbers or sleeps, may he watch over Israel and our Jewish friends, and may that same God bless America. Amen.